Welcome to the Thomas Industry Update Podcast, actionable information for industry leaders. Hi, I'm Kathy Ma. I'm Sean Fitzgerald. And I'm Tony Uphoff. Nels Vanden Bogart is the Vice President and General Manager of Conveying Solutions at Omega, which includes Armoral Bailtech, Megadyne, and Jason Industrial. The global company recently announced multiple plans to expand their U.S. operations. Nels, your, your company is reflective of the trends we're seeing in the Thomas 2021 State of North American Manufacturing Annual Report, which saw a remarkable jump from 54% to 83% of manufacturers who are either likely or extremely likely to reshore production. Those reporting timeframes are from March 2020 to March 2021, so a pretty dramatic acceleration in just a year. At Omega, you've been shifting global operations to refocus on North American manufacturing. What was the driver behind that? No, great question, Tony. Appreciate it. So I think a couple drivers. Um, one is we see enormous opportunity of growth uh, in the America, so really not just in the United States. Um, I think you look in Latin America, lots of opportunity, enormous growth. And so in order to service timely um, within a reasonable lead time or best in class lead time, um, it is important to have manufacturing stateside. So today, the way we're set up is that a lot of our manufacturing is happening uh, in Europe and Asia. And so you can imagine that the supply chain complexities are, are tremendous, to, especially in today's world. Uh, and so in order to support the growth and have best in class lead times, uh, you have to have stateside manufacturing. Um, I think the other reason is that a majority of our business is uh, channeled through distribution. And so in order to go through distribution, you absolutely need to have best in class lead times. That's, that's that primary objective. That's what they look for. If you can service it fast as you get the order. And so that's, those are the primary um, drivers. And if we look at the industry growth, I mean, it's been tremendous. And you look at logistics, you look at corrugated, you look at fitness, uh, all these industries have double digit growth. Uh, and so we want to continue to support that. And we feel by investing and we have, uh, we have the, we have the opportunity to do so. Neil's really smart thinking on, on the company's part. The number one thing we hear from buyers, procurement professionals, engineers, MROs, the number one thing we hear today is lead time. So you, you hear that repeated over and over again. Now, as you've taken these steps or perhaps accelerated these steps, what challenges have, have you faced and, and how, how has uh, Amiga overcome what challenges you have come across? Well, good question. Um, a, a couple. Of, of course, you need, to, uh, you need to build a business case. <laughs> you need funding. So that by itself is, is, is a big challenge. Um, you know, in today's world, let's be honest. I mean, look at the, the labor market. So... I think one of our, our number one risks in this is really is recruiting labor, best in class labor, right? To, to build a, a stabilized facility that, that is successful. Uh, so we're going through that and we have had success uh, in that, but we're not, we're not at the finish line yet. So that's absolutely a, a challenge. And the third one in, during COVID, you know, a lot of our expertise and a lot of our manufacturing leadership is overseas. And so they can't travel. Uh, have not been able to travel. So doing that remote and, and setting up teams in the, in the U.S. That, that communicate virtually has been challenging, but we have been successful in, in, in executing so far. Yeah, yeah. It is, uh, you know, it's funny. You, 
you have to stop and think about the degree of difficulty and and we're we're about to watch another olympics so i think of the degree of difficulty here but the no no kidding aside that is not a a, a small issue of having your expertise that may not have the flexibility to be able to fly and to travel and to go in and physically help with some of the um some of the development of a of a new manufacturing facility yeah yeah no absolutely yeah um so perhaps a, 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 uh, an unfair question because you're leveraging your insights here, but what advice might you give some of our listeners who are struggling with some of the same challenges or looking, they're part of that 83% that's looking to reshore towards the Americas and, and, and perhaps there's some lessons learned here you might pass along. Yeah, good question. I think the first thing that comes to mind and, and we struggled with this and, and we know companies are doing this. So in order to improve lead times, really, you can go two routes. You can significantly invest in inventory or you can build manufacturing. And so that, that's something that you really got to look at in detail and, and do the math on uh, financially to understand what makes sense for, for your p and We certainly talked about that a lot, what, what makes sense. Um, and so I would say, identifying that and deep diving that because manufacturing stateside is not always the best solution. We decided it was for us, uh, but there are other avenues, right? And so and you could solve a lot of the lead time challenges by investing in inventory instead, which is, which is a lot simpler to do. Uh, so that's one thing that, that comes to mind. And, and do you predict, as has been predicted by others, Niels, that you're going to see both, that you'll see inventory levels rise uh, as a way of dealing with some of these challenges in addition to the reshoring phenomenon? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, looking at the industries that are growing double digits, you're going to have to have inventory in hand. Even if you manufacture stateside, you have to be able to respond to those large orders and fulfill them. Otherwise, you're not going to win in the marketplace. Yeah. Hey, as this conversation uh, evidences and, and as our, our listeners you know, would know, um, your company is quite an innovator and, and, and is known for um, business innovation in a lot of different areas. Talk a little bit about how you inspire innovation on your team. We're always kind of fascinated with how leaders prioritize innovation, are able to both deliver performance and results, but also stay nimble and innovative in today's world. Yeah, so a couple of things, Tony. We have a, we have a great leadership team. Um, we have great owners. And because we have great owners, they have also implemented a great leadership team that constantly is looking for innovation. They're open for it. They're hungry for growth. Um, and so I think having that support, having that thinking, that, that thought going through the organization, that brainstorming session generates energy to the corporation. And I think that leads me to the second, the second topic is employee engagement, driving that culture with your teams and say, Hey, step away from your four walls think big think the unthinkable think the unthinkable because your competition most likely is not doing it think the craziest things we recently had an exercise with our team where we said okay think of the unthinkable ideas you can imagine to improve technology and people came up with stuff like hey what about if we had drones drop off belts same day within a hundred mile radius. And like they came up with the unthinkable things that you, you can't imagine. And so driving that culture and being open to it uh, really has opened us up. Yeah, I love that example. You know, we oftentimes will 
Niels, make the observation that this remarkable uh, tipping point we've hit in terms of, if I can use the expression, digital transformation, where companies are starting to now be on the other side of that. And one of the things that we note, and I think your, your comments would reflect that, is that the other side of digital transformation is now business model transformation. You have the opportunity to do business in a different way. And it could be creating you know, a delivery or service around the use of drone technology is a good example of that, but there are tons of others. And, and it's, um, it's always helpful for our listeners to, to not only see that, but become conscious of that understanding that as technology adoption starts to accelerate today, it's going to enable you to do business in a different way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, everybody's experienced this uh, personally, right? During COVID, in particular a year ago, you started going to restaurants and all of a sudden there were QR codes on the table. And you're like, well, what the heck is this, right? And so I spent a lot of time reading articles and really changing my own thinking last year and challenging myself, well, what can we do as, a, as an organization? If, if a mom and pop restaurant down the street can implement it, why haven't we done so? And it's really accelerated our thought process throughout the organization. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, whether you want to call this forced innovation or not, your example out of the restaurant industry, um, all kidding aside, we're seeing this all across the industry right now as, as um, you know, you, you, you're rarely used to be able to put in the same sentence, manufacturing, agile, um, as a service, new business models, speed, you know, those were things that, you know, inevitably weren't connected to manufacturing, but boy, those old myths are being, you know, wiped away today as companies like yours are really understanding how to accelerate lead times and innovate with new business models and ways to serve customers. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yep. And, you know, thank you so much. It's been great to, uh, to get to know uh, you a bit and also learn more about your journey here. If you don't mind, I'd love to, to check back in with you at some point in time as you move this process forward, because our listeners are really fascinated um, with the business rationale and how that pays off for companies like yours as you look towards reshoring and, and getting a, you know closer to major distributors and customers and, and shortening that lead time for your company. Absolutely. Look forward to, to chatting with you about that. And thank you for your time as well. You bet. Yeah. Take care, Niels. Thank you. Bye-bye. Welcome to the Thomas Industry Update podcast. I'm Kathy Ma. Today we have the president and CEO of Clio, Mahesh Rajeshekaran. Clio is a global software company that delivers ecosystem integration software solutions to help companies discover and create value across their multi-enterprise ecosystems. With both a PhD and a master's degree in industrial engineering and an MBA in finance, strategy, and marketing, Mahesh is well positioned to provide unique insights on what he and his customers are seeing across the global supply chain in light of the pandemic, the US-China trade war and other influencing factors. Earlier this year, our team released the Thomas 2021 State of North American Manufacturing Report, and it said that 83% of manufacturers are likely to extremely likely going to reshore production. And that's an inordinate increase from last year's figure. That was only 54% of them that are interested in doing so. Um, at Clio, you have such an amazing intersection with so many B2B businesses. Um, can you tell us a bit about what you've observed in the last, you know, like 12 months, it's been mad, yes. Yeah, we, we have clearly noticed a shift to, to reshoring. 
in the U.S. manufacturing industry across the board, right? And and we've been keeping an eye on its implication for our customers that support both domestic and and global supply chains. Uh, the sense I get when I talk to, to a lot of the CXOs in our install base is that the pandemic has been so disruptive that companies are forced to reconsider this balance between low-cost manufacturing, really focus on cost, cost, cost on one hand, and really building a highly flexible and responsive supply chain that can help them capture more demand, especially in a consumer-driven environment. Um, as you know, we have 4,000-plus customers, and out of that, you know, we have you know, a very um, fortunate to have that 2,000 plus in the manufacturing sector, in the industrial manufacturing sector, uh, 500 to almost 1,000 customers in the logistics uh, space, and 300 plus wholesale distribution companies. And as I talk to all of them, as we provide supply chain integration solutions, we have a very good vantage point to witness this shift to reshoring. And I, I could, uh, I could see it. People are seeing the strategic benefits of of onshore manufacturing. You know. And it's not just um, it's not just a pandemic, which is a big one, uh, right, Kathy? I, I would say uh, the U.S.-China trade wars, uh, the, the tariffs that set off a, a big implication, both in terms of incremental cost. I I think many execs have told me between 10 and 20 percent the total cost increased, and the unpredictability because of stretched lead times, right? So now you've got a lead time issue, you've got a cost issue. And so those major supply chain disruptions have really impacted profitable operations. And so there is tremendous desire to see if they can cost, the total cost is not just the price point, the total cost of ownership is under control. They would rather look at, uh, you know, targeted sourcing onshore so they can have better control over the supply chain. You really brought out a few very insightful observations about the pandemic impact in our industry. Um, one of the key things you mentioned is the increased cost of operation. The other aspect of it is um, just, you know, a lot of product availability. You cannot predict. It's really hard to predict today. Um, with Clio, what's very interesting about your product is that it, it allows companies to ingest data and, and almost like riding on real-time insights to operate their business. So, to combine your observation and the fact that your company is really all about data, um, can you tell us a bit more about how your customers are using data to really respond to the current changing landscapes? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, one of the big things that we have been pioneering is the focus on real-time integration, right? Historically, the way companies connect, interacted with their customers, uh, the, the buyers and their suppliers, have been more through batch type interactions. But now with the world being so real time, it, it's really the real time nature of, of, of the interaction and decision making. So to us, it really comes down to supply side and the demand side, right? Um, you can use demand to do better demand shaping and be able to make sure that your, your customers have complete visibility to what they ordered. In other words, it's the information supply chain, Kathy, which is far more important than the physical supply chain, right? Being able to give accurate um, notification on where inventory is, where it's being moved around, um, product availability, those become extremely important. And people use a platform for, for doing that, which is having an end-to-end -end visibility across the extended supply chain, be able to provide information on uh, supply chain SLAs on real-time basis so their customers are confident that stuff is gonna show up when they need it. 
and and that's that's very very critical and profound um, and that's what we see that's a really good point. Um, another really interesting key takeaway from the report we put together was that if manufacturer really onboard at least one US-based supplier uh, onto their supply chain, it can inject up to $443 billion of industrial opportunity into our, into our economy. Do you have any advice to share to uh, US industrial businesses on how they can take advantage of this amazing market opportunity? Yeah, for first of all, that information is so profound, right? 443 billion of, of you know, uh, injecting a potential into the U.S. economy, it actually can really jumpstart the U.S. manufacturing machine, growth machine. And so that's that's true. And, and, the, and the math is pretty straightforward. So I would say there are three things for, for, for customers, for companies to look at. You know, one is, uh, what do you do as a supplier? Second is, what do you do as a as a manufacturer, the buyer. And third, you know, how do you make use of uh, data and information? So primarily for suppliers, it's all about product availability, right, and lead times. So the ability to manage your information supply chain and be able to provide the manufacturers 24 by 7 information, accurate information on product availability, inventory statuses, delivery notifications, would lower the total cost of ownership for the manufacturer. So they'll go from a sort of a low cost to, to, to more reliable um, supply chain that offsets the risks, and risk is cost, in my view. So that's what you want suppliers to do. And from manufacturer's perspective, it's all about having sources of supply close to where your points of demand are, right? Today, we're getting into an Amazon-driven, consumer-driven world. And so even though the manufacturing buyers, the B2B buyers, they have B2C mindset right, right now. So essentially the, the, their ability to make sure that they can meet their customer SLAs by depending on supply, which is local, where they can control in the lead times, they can absolutely make up for the increased cost through better demand capture and essentially incremental um, you know, operating margins on the business. So that's, that's basically what I think um, is needed. I mean, bottom line, I think, is all about digital transformation. Uh, manufacturers have been somewhat slower in becoming digital because they thought it's all cost, 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 right? And so now with the, with the post-pandemic, there's a huge opportunity to go from just-in-time to just-in-case, right? Now you're thinking about, okay, I'm going to have an agile supply chain. I'm going to have multiple sources of supply. I'm going to have real-time information. And so, so with, the, with, the, with optimizing data and information, you can overcome any incremental cost you're going to you're going to pay in your supply chain, and the agility and flexibility allows you to capture more demand at better price points. And so, I think this 443 billion is is an absolute number that we can accomplish together as an economy in the U.S. And it'll also just jumpstart our manufacturing growth machine. I love what you said about just from just in time to just in case. This is really a really nice phase to summarize um, how a lot of procurement professionals. And, and also business leaders are thinking today. Um, speaking of which, you are yourself a very successful business leader. Can you tell us three habits that you'll rely on to help you, you know, get to where you are today? Yes, um, absolutely. You know, I start my day at 6.30 in the morning. That sort of, you know, have, have a rigor uh, is important. Um, the first thing I do is just, you know, make sure the critical things are cleared out my inbox because I have, you know, global customers, which is make sure to handle that and immediately get to, to working out 
I run three to five miles a day. And when I run, I think about some of the hardest things I can solve, right? Because, you know, when you have repetitive physical activity, your brain works in a nonlinear fashion. And so you can think about some of the biggest challenges. So, so that's, that's a routine and a, and a habit I have. Uh, same time you wake up and you run and you exercise. The second thing for me is try to talk to at least one to two customers a day, right? And I try to talk to all, at all levels, definitely talk to CXOs, but I could talk to, to leader, you know, leader supply chains, to, to customer operations. And what I try to do is I try to put, you know, my, myself in my customer's shoes and the CXO's shoes and really have an empathetic view to, to listen to that. For, for example, throughout the pandemic, I wrote customer success stories. Just listen to them, what challenges they're faced with, and what can we do as a company to, to, to make them do better, right? Better customer relationships, capture more revenue, reduce cost. And the third thing I do um, every day is I check in with my direct reports, but I also try to check in with, you know, a level or two below, like skip, skip check-ins. And I, and I want to make sure that I'm constantly aligned with what's happening in the organization at every level, but also have the ability to identify the future stars. Could be in sales, could be in, in operations, could be in customer success. Identifying who those people are and, and try to make clear a very talent-focused organization. So, so those are three things uh, I do on a regular basis to continuously you, you know, better myself and make Clio a stronger company in the years ahead.